with one quote from James Cozy and an action from Sean Gibbs, the FAMU head coaching search appears to be coming to an end, and at worst, the picture is coming into focus. Oh, yeah, it's locked on, HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. And if you're new to FanDuel, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets when they place a $5 bet. Win or lose, get $150 back. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We wrap up today's episode with a look at Clark Atlanta men's basketball because they just made school history with their win over Benedict College. Prior to that, we have a two-part looking at the FAMU coaching search because things are starting to come a little bit more into focus. Sean Gibbs has removed his name from this search and, si and signed an extension with Fort Valley State. And you look at James Colsey, who many people have been calling to be the head coach of FAMU. He has spoke up. Now, Colsey's interview that he did with the Tallahassee Democrat, that was from the back half of last week, somewhere along like the 11th, 12th, 13th, some, somewhere along there. Gibbs, he actually removed his, his name from the running 40 minutes before I started recording. So one's way more recent than the other. But let's look at Cozy because James Cozy speaks. And now with the latest actions, I think that his words are going to become even not solidified, but even closer to becoming true. Now, James Cozy has said that he still believes that he'll be the FAMU head coach. <clears throat> his exact words were optimistic. And I think he has reason to be optimistic. And I would have said that prior to Gibbs removing his name. Now, one thing I do feel the need to clarify is my stance on the FAMU coaching search. Because last week on Thursday's episode, which was really late, so I appreciate you for getting out there and watching it. But one thing that I said on there, or better yet, the title was Demanding Continuity as a Closed-Minded View. Now, I think I did a better job of elaborating on that point during the topic. But the title sets the tone. And I felt as if the comments in that video aligned with the title and not so much of what I actually said. So allow me to clarify. I do believe that demanding continuity in the name of continuity, just because, right, and not being open to possibly getting a better coach, 
I do believe that that is a tad bit closed minded, even if that's what it feels like you need in the immediate future. I feel that a real coaching search or any coaching search should bring in the best candidate, even if maybe that's not the best for them in 2024. It might be the best 2025 and beyond. So to me, to me, placing continuity over getting the best coach is a closed minded view. Use that sentence right there. I place best coach over continuity. That's my view on the FAMU coaching search. And matter of fact, it could end up being the same thing. Billy Roll and James Cozy could be the best coach for FAMU over the upcoming X amount of years and also be their best hope in 2024. I never said that that wasn't the case, but I think I think that the way I, I delivered it or maybe just the information in general, it may have sounded like I was going against continuity altogether in any of the continuity options. No, I just don't place that at number one on my priority list. And hopefully that has clarified some things. Now, let's get into James Cozy because Cozy, who is currently the interim head coach at Florida A&M, <clears throat> he said this. You hope at the end of the day, everyone does what's best for Florida A&M. And I think that's where we're headed. When you lose a big time figure like Coach Simmons, you want to make sure you get the right piece. I'm extremely optimistic that I'll get the opportunity to lead our young men. Number one, let's acknowledge that he just called himself the right piece. When you lose a big time figure like Coach Simmons, you want to make sure you get the right piece, period. I'm extremely optimistic that I'll get the opportunity to lead our young men. He ain't here to be a coordinator. He ain't here to be a positional coach. He ain't even here to be an assistant head coach. That man just told you I am Florida A&M's next head football coach. And he didn't just tell y'all. He didn't just tell me. He told AD Tiffany Don Sykes. That's who he informed when he said that quote right there. I'm extremely optimistic that I'll get the opportunity to lead our young men. Yes, that's the attitude that you're supposed to have. But right after you say when you replace Willie Simmons, you need the right piece. The next thing you say is I'm optimistic. I'll get the opportunity. You believe you're the right piece. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you delivering that message. Now. The reason I think he was so close to being correct without Gibbs taking his name out is did you see the way that Gibbs was reacted to? Now, I got to kind of balance some things because I did write a whole segment prior to Gibbs announcing he was out. And part of this was in the conversation. But the way, the strength specifically, the strength that the FAMU alumni had to say, we don't want this guy. And no period. We don't want this guy. And we want cozy or we want role. I would feel extremely optimistic as well. because. Let's say Gibbs was still in the race. This was probably going to turn into a three-man three man race between Gibbs, Cozy, and Billy Roll. Those are probably going to be the three people, and now it feels like it's going to be two because I struggle to believe that Shill, and when I say Shill, I'm speaking about A.D. Sykes, will go outside of the building yet again. I have a little bit of doubt that she'll do that after such strength was in opposition of her and her choice. You got to remember, the Alumni Association, they voted on whether or not they wanted Gibbs, and then they also voted on if they had confidence in Don Sykes, and Tiffany Don Sykes, excuse me. Both of those things came up against the AD. So if I was cozy, yeah, 
when I know the alumni have some power, have some sway, I would feel pretty confident too. When I know that my whole team has been campaigning for me to get the position, I would feel pretty good too. And when I see Sean Gibbs say, I'm going back to Fort Valley State to be their head coach and I just re-up my contract, I would feel immaculate. The quote from James Cozy. If anything, if I had to look too deeply into it, and this might be me, I say this to the end because I didn't want to just jump out there. Really just kind of came to me. Does his optimism come from the fact that he feels like he's the lead in-house candidate? I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'm going to leave that there. But one could argue that is the case. He is on the short list. Of course, he feels optimistic. Now, as we move forward, let's look at Sean Gibbs' decision to step away from the FAMU coaching search and reaffirm his commitment to Fort Valley State as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, the NFL playoffs have been rolling, and I'll be honest with you, I did not see a couple of these games going down the way that they did, especially the Cowboys versus Packers and Eagles versus Bucks. Now, I thought that both teams that won could have won, but I did not believe that they would win the way that they did. But maybe you did think that. Maybe you were a believer, and maybe you put down a $5 bet at FanDuel.com slash locked on, or maybe you didn't. Or maybe you didn't. Either way. Either way, win or lose, whether you are a believer or a non-believer, you get $150 back in bonus bets. So if you have to cry, right, they say you'd rather cry in the Rafe than uh, some other car. I ain't going to diss no other car because that's, you know what I'm saying? But I'd rather cry with that extra $150 back in bonus bets. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, where if you're new to FanDuel, no matter what, you still end up a winner. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Remember, for your second listen, as soon as I'm finished talking, no matter when you're listening to me, go check out Locked On Sports today, 24-7, all day, every day, first of its kind on YouTube, Sports Network. Go to Locked On Sports today and subscribe to stay up to date. Sean Gibbs is officially out of the FAMU running, and not because of the FAMU alumni, at least not directly. Not because A.D. Sykes has decided she wanted to go a different direction, though she will have to now. Sean Gibbs is out of the race because he has decided to pull himself out of the race and reaffirm his commitment to Fort Valley State. Now, this was recorded, or excuse me, this was dropped about, an hour before I started recording. I saw it maybe five minutes before I started recording. So what you're really getting right now is my immediate reaction, my raw reaction with a couple of notes that I've jotted down. Now, let's look at the decision or let's give me the announcement first and what was said in this announcement written by Fort Valley. So I am excited to announce that Coach Sean Gibbs has officially renewed his agreement with Fort Valley State. President Paul Jones and I, in collaboration with Fort Valley State Athletic Association Board, are happy to have Coach Gibbs continue leading our Wildcat football program. Didn't need to read that first paragraph, but it's okay. Now we get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> and this is the paragraph that really matters. Our discussions regarding the extension began fo following our historic victory 
in the Florida Beach Bowl, despite enticing offers from other institutions seeking his expertise, Coach Gibbs has chosen to stay with us, reaffirming his commitment to our Wildcats. In the face of opportunities elsewhere, we were proud to secure his continued leadership. Now, first and foremost, Florida A&M, a D1 program, an FCS program, a step up in subdivision, pursuing your head coach, to me, looks good. To me, that looks good. Though he didn't leave, though he did think about leaving, it's very regular. That's very regular. And he didn't agree to leave. It's not as if he was like, yeah, I'm going to FAMU. It was just they're set to hire him. They're, really, I looked at it as they were going to give him the job offer. Technically, I do think he was going to take the offer. But it, was, it wasn't a situation like it wasn't a situation like Fred McNair where you were so far gone to TSU, you going back to Alcorn probably would have been a bad look for Alcorn. He was just connected enough to the Rattlers to where it's a good rub towards Fort Valley State from a D1 to a D2 perspective. It does make your coach look good. But let's get into it. Not only is he back with Florida, or excuse me, Fort Valley State, he's also getting an extension, something they had already worked on. I'm glad that they didn't act as if he didn't have other offers or as if he wasn't, you know, interested. He clearly was. He clearly was. But now he's back with Fort Valley State. Now, I've been saying he should have done this for a minute. And I think that it was the right call for him to take himself out of the race. They don't want you there. At the end of the day, you were going into an environment where the alumni didn't want you, the players didn't want you, where the team, or not just the team, but just people in general kind of looked at you as an enemy. It was so many negative attributes for Coach Gibbs walking into that room. Because mind you, I still believe that FAMU is the best coaching vacancy that was available in the offseason. I mean, they just won the stinking HBCU Super Bowl, for God's sake. Like this was an elite or is an elite opening. But for Sean Gibbs, it was not worth it. I'm not taking that challenge on. I'm, I'm okay taking challenges. Don't get me wrong. But I'm already a head coach at a place that loves me. Now I would be a head coach at a place that I have to convince to even like me. No, thank you. No, sir. No, ma'am. So I do agree with his decision. But this makes things significantly more crystal clear. Yes, James Colsey saying that he's optimistic that he'll lead the team. In, in honesty, it means nothing. Like, let's just be real. I put it as the lead segment because James Cozy is one of those guys who is close. And I was going to break down his sentence. I don't think that that quote means anything without my analysis. And I don't say that to be full of myself or to be conceited or anything. I just think it's a duh quote. Like, of course, you're optimistic. But I want to break down why his optimism was, in my opinion, Correct, right? That, that's what I was bringing now. But of course he feels optimistic. But Sean Gibbs removing himself from this. Oh yeah, now that's a different conversation because you're now looking at a coach who was directly connected. Now we can always say that the players and the alumni wanted Cozy, but nobody's been connected to that FAMU job the way that Sean Gibbs was. So this is one thing. If I was Sean Gibbs, I would not want to walk into that environment being Sean Gibbs. So I think he was right to remove himself from the race. But now that Gibbs is out of the race, what does it mean? I don't think that Tiffany Don Sykes tries to go the out of the program road again. I think that is going to be either Billy Roll or it's going to be James Cozy. And if she does decide to go out of FAMU's building, 
then it'd get really interesting because that just means she doesn't like the two options in the house. That just means she's not a fan of Roll. It means she's not a fan of Cozy. And she really just thinks the better option is not on the coaching staff or not slightly removed from the coaching staff in the way that role is. So I think that Sean Gibbs taking a step back and saying, I don't want this job. Now is going to make things crystal clear because if Cozy or role isn't hired soon and we start hearing more outside people connected, it's going to tell me that the AD does not believe in these two men. That's what it's going to tell me. And then I'm going to become extremely doubtful on FAMU hiring an in-house candidate. Oh my gosh, this move is significant for multiple universities, for multiple conferences. FAMU is the top dog. And as the top dog, we have to have a conversation on if they're going to be able to repeat. That conversation doesn't start until you get your coach and every spring ball. It's a lot of things that goes into that. But when you're looking at the Rattlers, the biggest thing on their plate right now is picking a head coach. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know who it's going to be. It'd be interesting if it's James Cozy. Be interesting if it's Billy Rowe. Be interesting if it's Quinn Gray, right? Like it could, it could be anybody. And I would consider Quinn Gray an out of the building hire. I don't care that he's a former player, and it it lines up. Don't get me wrong, but this is this is something else right here. Now I'll tell you what else is something else because I think this made a decision much easier. But I'll tell you something else that's something else. <laughs> Clark Atlanta men's basketball. They just made school history because for the first time in Clark Atlanta history, they just knocked off a top 10 nationally ranked team, and they did it by knocking off the Benedict Tigers. We'll look at that as we come back with HBC, or excuse me, with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Go ahead and get you a just-in-case case, or as they prefer to call it, the Jace case. The reason that I call it the just-in-case case is not because I get to say case case, even though that was quite fun to do right then. The reason I call it that is because it comes with five antibiotics that are meant to treat over 50 infections. Now, last time I checked, I can't predict the future. Last time I checked, you can't predict the future. But one thing we can predict is that things happen. Things happen, period. Things you you can't foresee will happen. It's, that kind of sounds like a contradiction, but it's the truth. And when you have the Jace case, then you prepare for those things that you can't foresee happening. Because five antibiotics meant to treat over 50 infections. Now, this is perfect because the FDA said that a lot of places are running out of medicine, not the Jace case. So go ahead and go to Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Jace Medical.com and use the code locked on to get $20 off your first purchase. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Now, Clark Atlanta just pulled down an historic victory for their men's basketball program because for the first time in school history, the Clark Atlanta men's basketball team has knocked off a top 10 nationally ranked opponent. Now, one thing that does make me feel good about this, one thing that makes me feel good about this, is a lot of times when we start speaking about history and knocking off, you know, nationally ranked opponents, it never comes in the form of an HBCU knocking knocking off another HBCU. 
That's not the, the conversations that we have. And likely this wouldn't have been the conversation that we had today. And I'm not exempting myself from that. When Howard knocked off North Carolina Central, the fact wasn't that they knocked off a top 25 ranked team on this show. That wasn't something that was ever uttered on this show, though it was true. I just never said it. If Howard would have knocked off FAMU, I still wouldn't have said it despite FAMU being top 10. Like, like these are just things that I typically would not say. However, I am compelled to bring that up because that's the historic um that's the historic part of this story is the fact that Clark Atlanta had never done that never knocked off a top 10 nationally ranked team and coming into this game Benedict College was the number eight nationally ranked team so BC was flawless 13 games 13 victories never had been beaten the majority of the games weren't even within single digits like there was only two of those 13 victories that were ever within single digits at the end of the game so they had been very dominant multiple 15 plus point victories like this was a team that seemed as if they were on an absolute war path and just running through their entire schedule and now running through the SEAC I think it was actually Benedict women's basketball last year who went undefeated and their coach ended up leaving going to uh I think it was UNO University of New Orleans but um yeah so this was a game in which was a shocker it's an upset because when you're 13 and 0 any whenever your first loss is is going to be an upset right but this game had its back and forths don't get me wrong but it was really Benedict College who was leading this game for the majority of the time it was from the first half, the end of the first half, until the end of the game, Clark had the lead or it was tied. Benedict College didn't leave the game after the end of the first half. Now, where it all happened, where everything turned around, was about 11 and a half minutes left in the first half. Now, so towards the middle of the first half, they were down 12, Clark Atlanta. They were down 12, but then they went on a run in which they ended the half 35 to 19, Right. So they were down 22 to 10. Yeah, 22 to 10. It ended up 45 to 41 at the end of the half. Now, I understand that the 12-point lead at any point in the game in the first half really is not anything major. Them coming back and leading the first half by four points. All right, whatever, right? But it was that moment where they just kind of rode that energy throughout the rest of the, the game. And I feel like when you're going up against a team like Benedict, you have to be able to ride energy. You have to. And Clark, once they took the lead, they let the tie come in, but they always responded. They always responded. When you get close, you tie the game up, they're going to put up a couple of buckets, whether that's a three, whether that's uh, leading by five, leading by seven. I felt as if they always knew how to answer the charges and they were always far enough ahead to where those charges that they had to take. Poor choice of words when looking at basketball, those runs that they had to take from Benedict College they were able to accept that and still never go into a deficit because every time they took that that run, they went on a miniature run of their own. So they finally closed it to come into uh, regulation at the end of regulation. But then you're looking at a, a, an overtime where Benedict doesn't make a single shot. They don't make a single shot all overtime. They do make two free throws, but they don't make a shot. And Clark's defense was on point the entire game. Benedict was uh, they sh they had their worst shooting performance. And this was something that Coach Jordan looked at at the end of the game. And he said defense was the key. That team tonight was the team that started off six and oh. 
And if we were to continue to and if we continue to guard like we did tonight, we will have an amazing second half of the season. And sometimes when you go four and three in conference play, it's easy to forget that you were six and oh. It's easy to forget that, you know, but these players played solid defense. And then offensively, what the real story is, is Chris Martin went absolutely ballistic. And after a couple of slow games, scoring wise, he exploded. It's almost as if he said, I'm going to sit down these last two games. He scored 12 points total, I believe. I'm going to sit down these two games. I'm going to rest up my, my energy, my chakra for my Naruto people, right? And then I'm going to go in with the craziest attack that I can in this game because we're going up against the top team in the conference. And he dropped 32 points. That'll get the most, most of the attention. 32 points. But it was a complete game, efficient game, 10 of 15 from the field. So you're looking at about a 67 uh, field goal percentage, 3 of 5 from behind three-pointers. So you're shooting 60 from three-point. Um, you got to the line, made all nine of your free throws. So you're shooting the ball well from inside, from outside. You're getting to the line, drawing contact, and you're getting all of your free money. Like, there wasn't a part of the game where you could feel like, ah, I wish he could have done that. He rebounded the ball well with eight, eight rebounds on a day. This was a complete game by Chris Martin. And you look at Elijah Stewart, who had an equally as complete game with his four rebounds, I believe it was, 19 points. He shot five of 10 from the field, so he shot 50%. He knocked in a couple of threes. This guy, or both of these guys, played really well at the moments that they needed them to play well. This was a big-time game. They showed up with some of their best defense, some of their best offensive performances, and then also, excuse me, um, just in general reminded you of the team that started off 6-0 in the way that Coach Jordan said. This is a game that will have the rematch at the end of the year, literally the season finale for Clark and, uh, and, and Benedict. I'm sure that BC has already circled this game on the calendar, but we'll definitely be watching out for it. They deserve their flowers. Real big-time game by Benedict College, or excuse me, by Clark Atlanta, Chris Martin, and Elijah Stewart. So on tomorrow's episode, we'll be looking at the CIAA and the SEAC and the fact that they will have the opportunity to have a week zero game. We'll look at that. And then also, I know many people probably wondering when I would talk about this, but Andrew Body, that'll be the lead segment tomorrow. Andrew Body has left the Texas Southern Tigers and has taken his talents to Montgomery. He is now an Alabama State Hornet. We'll get into that on tomorrow's episode. And ooh, wee, I can't wait. So until the next time that we hear each other, family, make sure you follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.